Let's face it, Brit happens. Success is rarely a straight line. It's a journey with many twists, turns, potholes, and unwelcome detours. The secret, however, lies in how we react. Keep listening to learn how to effectively respond to life's curveballs, improve your resilience, and how winners pivot from setbacks to success. I'm your host, Brittany Sharpton. Let's get started. I am so happy to welcome New York State Senator Kevin S. Parker, Chairman of the Energy and Telecommunications Committee and Majority Whip of the New York State Senate. Welcome, Senator. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining. I was telling him prior to us officially getting started. We formally crossed paths over a decade ago when I was living and working in New York, and I'm so happy to finally have you on Brit Happen. So it should be a really good time. I'm excited about it. Let's go. So you're always staying busy. Like I said, I haven't seen you in real life in a while, but I do follow you on social media. and. I see that you're all over the community. You guys are joining the Women of Distinction Awards, I saw. There's tick and Lyme disease on the other end of the spectrum. <laughs> Earth Day poster celebration, the community <laughs> survey. So it's, it's all gamuts, a lot going on. You're a veteran in this political world and been in the game, quote unquote, for yep. nearly two decades. Yep. Right? So- yep. Out of all of that, Senator, what are your top two priorities at the moment? When you wake yeah. up, what excites you most about your job? Yeah, that's a, a, a good question. Um, well, first of all, you know, I represent the 21st District in Brooklyn. So people know Brooklyn is part of Canarsie and part of Flatlands, but principally Flatbush and East Flatbush, Midwood, Ditmas Park, Windsor Terrace, and Park Slope, right? And so I represent 318,000 people um, in the People's Republic of Brooklyn. And so... Uh, you know, there's a lot of kind of what we call competing priorities, right? Because in the state legislature, um, because of federalism, although it's sexy to talk about Congress, most of the work that people are interested in, whether you're talking about education, healthcare, housing, transportation, public protection, most of those decisions actually get made on the state level, right? And so uh, as a chair of the Energy and Telecommunications Committee, um, I really have kind of two committees in one. So if you ask me about um, kind of my my top two priorities. The first is access to um, affordable broadband. Um, broadband and high-speed broadband is one of the most important things that we need that we need to be working on in this moment. Um, look, the reality is, is that uh, there needs to be a time in which you would not have, you know, you would not put somebody in an apartment without water, gas, and electricity. Now you have to add broadband to that, right? Because you can't get anything done without, you know, affordable broadband, right? So if you look at when um, the vaccine became available. They first made it available to, to senior citizens online, which was kind of crazy, but because they're <laughs> probably one of the, the, the populations that has least access right. you know, to, to, to online services. Um, if you're looking for a job after the pandemic, you can't apply for a job and let, you know, get on Indeed or Monster or whatever else unless you have an online account. Um, and of course, we had young people, our students in our community who are going to school uh, remotely and so again, or online. And so, um, you know, high-speed broadband and getting access to that, and whether that's about affordability or whether that's about building out in rural communities, all of that needs to be done. So that's the, kind of my first priority, right? My second priority is really about the green and the clean energy economy, right? And it's really kind of two parts, right? And so the first is continue to push 
the state forward um, as we talk about how do we increase um, sustainable energy and access sustainable energy across uh, the state of New York, but also how do we create full-time jobs at a living wage with benefits um, out of this economy? Um, you know, I like to remind people that the clean energy economy is actually the sixth largest industry in the entire state of New York. And so it's really an important part of what we do every single day. Thank you. And I'm happy that you mentioned the broadband, which reminded me of the infrastructure bill. So I know that's also a part of it, which a lot of people don't instinctively think of um, because we're, we're thinking physical infrastructure. So how is that going to trickle down from the federal level to the state of New York? Right. Well, again, in the state of New York, we're really lucky to have the um, majority, the majority leader in the Senate, Chuck Schumer, who's actually literally my constituent who lives in my district, um, <laughs> you know, running this and I have great partners on the federal level, like uh, Assemblyman, I'm sorry, Assemblyman who used to be in the Assembly, Congressman Hakeem Jeffries, and my Congresswoman Yvette D. Clark, um, who've done a great job at making sure that we get access, um, you know, to the resources. And I think part of it, on a state level, we have just been monitoring the bills to make sure that we are knowing what's going to be in them, and then make sure that we have both the legislative authority and um, the projects lined up um, in order to use those those resources. Um, there's so much that needs to be done across this country, but I know particularly I, I can tell you in the state of New York, <laughs> we have project after project that needs to be um, built. And whether you're talking about um, housing, whether you're talking about, again, access to broadband and building that out, um, you know, whether you're talking about just fixing roads and bridges, um, you know, that money will be well used. And while we're in fact increasing um, the capacity of our infrastructure, we will be creating full-time jobs at a living wage with benefits. And, and that will be great for our economy and more importantly, the families of our great state. Awesome. So you mentioned one of your famous constituents and you guys also have a brand new governor, Governor Hochul. So yes. you, you, you've worked with everyone, it seems like. And I think whether it's politics or any other industry, people do tend to I hate to say get recycled, but they test out different silos in this instance. It, anyway, so <laughs> how, what is, what is, if you don't mind sharing, what is your relationship like and what are you looking forward to in terms of working with your brand new governor? Yeah, like again, as you in indicated, I've been here a while. So this is my 18th year in the state legislature. Um, and I'm actually literally the, um, most senior African-American in the entire New York State Senate, as well as the fourth most senior person in the entire Senate, right, in the entire body. Okay, um, but when I, Yeah, but when, I, <laughs> but when I got elected, I was actually the youngest member of the state Senate when I got elected 18 years ago, right? And so I've kind of been through the gamut. Um, and then, and so unfortunately, you know, um, we had a resignation by a past governor. Um, this is the second time I've gone through a resignation of a governor. So this is kind of old hat for me. <laughs> Um, you know, unfortunately, um, you know, there's a, a, a old a ancient Chinese curse that says maybe live in interesting times. And I certainly um, have been living in interesting times. And I've known Kathy Hochul, um, both in her capacity as a, a former member of Congress, but then also most recently as a lieutenant governor. And she's somebody who's, who's been very accessible, very understanding, um, somebody who likes to be on the ground. She does a lot of kind of retail um, work, um, but she certainly understands the complexities, again, of our competing priorities and the policy choices that all of us are trying to make in order to advance our state. And so um, I've worked well with her in the past. Um, so far, things have been 
um, moving well. And hopefully we'll continue to have a good relationship as we, um, you know, all do the thing that we like to see done, which is um, see our communities, um, you know, protected during the, the, the pandemic, our economy be, be built back mm-hmm. um, and everybody, um, you know, be happy and healthy. Absolutely. And like you said, you're very seasoned. People can't tell. So that's why I was shocked when you oh, said it. I mean, yes. you, you have aged impeccably, and I'm sure I'm not the only Thank person you. I appreciate that, 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 that I says appreciate that. So that. you're wearing your sunscreen, you know, making sure you <laughs> protecting that melanin. Um, so I'm, I, I do expect the relationship to continue to flourish and foster. And I'm excited about that, particularly being the first woman. So I'm all about mm-hmm. women empowerment. So Senator, you mentioned this earlier, you represent Brooklyn. This includes East Flatbush, Flatbush, Midwood, Park Slope, Windsor Terrace. I think I'm forgetting one, but- Park. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. So that seems to be, at least when I was, it, it's crazy to me how just the transformations of the communities. I mean, that happens around the country. It happens here right. in Miami. So I'm big on economic development and empowerment and- what work are you doing? It, it seems to be, and correct me if I'm wrong, the majority of your constituents look like you and I. Mm-hmm. So what are you doing to work towards closing the wealth gap between the haves and the have-nots? Yeah. One of the things that we have been just kind of focused on and cognizant of is that we have an economy that's moved from Wall Street to Main Street. And so to the degree that we're going to be able to create full-time jobs at a living wage with benefits, we're going to do so on our Main Streets. And so I've really been focused on how do we, you know, create, you know, small business opportunities, right? How do we use, um, you know, you know, we have some of the largest budgets in the country in the state of New York, right? And so the state of New York is actually the third largest budget after the federal government in the state of California. And the fourth largest budget in the entire country, believe it or not, is the city of New York, which has a budget of $100 billion, which is larger than 48 states, right? Including wow. Texas and Florida, which have populations larger than the state of New York. Right. And, but our city budget is larger than theirs. Right. And so um, really using our procurement opportunities there and making sure um, that our women are on the business enterprise programs are really robust and that we're giving every opportunity that we can um, to women entrepreneurs, African-American, Latino entrepreneurs, um, for them to get contracts with the city and state um, and, and use that to not just build businesses, um, but to create jobs in the community and feed families. Absolutely. Something sustainable, which is absolutely important. That's right. Clearly, you're very well versed in terms of the the budget and the finance aspect. And I was rooting for you, Senator and Tyra Banks, America's Next Top Model voice. (laughs) During your campaign, I was following it closely for a controller. It seemed to be a little crowded in the beginning, but still, I was holding on. You're definitely the most. Oh, sorry. I said, I appreciate it. (laughs) So I was always like in my head, either rooting or like leaving comments under different posts. So can you tell us about that experience? This is Brit Happens about people pivoting from disappointments, unexpected setbacks. You're still smiling, still one of the most seasoned, whether Black or not, in in the Senate. And I know you're going to do awesome things going forward. But what was that like? And how did you handle not getting the results that you were hoping to get? Yeah, that's that's a great question. Look, I, yeah, I ran for New York City Comptroller. Every, you know, we have term limits on the city level, on, a, on the city level, and so we had an open vacancy um, for city controller. So we went up with a crowded field. There was about ten of us who were running, um, and I ran and got over fifty thousand votes, but just you know wasn't quite enough um, to win the election. I learned a lot from the experience. 
Um, but I really feel like, you know, people ask me all the time, like, how do I go from a kid who grew up in public housing um, to running for the city, you know, for, you know, to state, to state Senate, <laughs> city controller's office. And it's because I have been very involved um, in my community, kind of my whole life. Right. And so I, I just always have wanted to serve, right? Like people say, like, how did you get involved? And I'm like, this is how I serve my community um, and my God, right? And so I like, I'm I, I'm clear that even in the state senate, I've been doing this 18 years, and it's really just been the honor of my life to have the opportunity to win an election. Actually, several elections because we run every two years, so I've run like 11 elections, and um, you know, just be in a position. Um, to be in the halls of power and be able to speak truth to power, mm -hmm. um, which has been really important on behalf of my constituents. And regardless of whether the people choose for me to continue to do that in the Senate or whether they uh, decide to you know, send me to another office, um, mm -hmm. I'm just thankful for, for the experience. But I also, this is not the first time I've not gotten the outcome I wanted in an election. I first started out in, in politics. I actually ran for city, for city council. This okay. is back in 2000. In fact, on the heels of 9-11, the election actually in 2000 happened on 9-11. Wow. And we wound up having to, to um, postpone the, the, the election and move it two weeks down to the 25th, mm -hmm. right? And in that election, I really expected to win. I had raised the most money. I had the most endorsements. I had a lot of really good support. And it didn't turn out the way I thought it would. And my campaign, my deputy campaign manager is a good friend of mine and uh, a woman of God whispered in my ear that night, she says, when God closes a door, he opens a window. So she said, keep looking for the window. Mm -hmm. And in 2000, just similar to now, we had come out of a, a, out of a, um, a census year. And in 2001, we did what we're doing now in 2021, which is redistricting. And what they did uh, 20 years ago was they actually literally created a new Senate seat. And who knew that they would create a Senate seat right where I was. So out of that moment, even though it didn't turn the way I expected to turn out, once again, God turned you know, tragedy into triumph and, right. and wound up running for the state Senate, a seat that didn't even exist before and becoming a state Senator. And so, you know, I continue to look for my window. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I'm in this moment again, just being, you know, grateful for the opportunity and thankful for the trust that people in my community have put into me um, for the last 18 years and looking for whatever the next opportunity is and whether that's re-election or whether that's, um, you know, another office, mm -hmm. um, you know, I'll be ready for, for whatever it is. But in the meantime, continue to serve the best way I know how. I love it. And I, I definitely subscribe just like your deputy campaign manager. When God closes one door, he either opens another or he's like, I have something better for you. So That's right. you may not understand it right now, but so everything happens for a reason. Like I said, you're doing an awesome job. Seem happy from the pictures and the videos right now. So <laughs> if you're not, you're doing a good job of covering it up. Well, well, well let me let me just say, um, um, you know, I'm learning to live with disappointment, with, you know, and if you keep living, you're going to hopefully you're learning and, and becoming um, better for it. I mean, you know, I don't think anybody likes to lose. Right. And right. Um, I certainly don't. Um, but, you know, you, 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 you figure out what you what you learn from it, you, you, you know, and try to enjoy the process. And that was one of the things um, that I definitely did is that it was an amazing opportunity to get around the city of New York to go to, you know, houses of worship and communities and restaurants and meet people mm -hmm. that you had never met before, hear about what's going on in their lives. 
understand the, the differences, but most importantly, the similarities and the struggles that you're all in as New Yorkers and as people, you know, uh, in this grand experiment that is America. And, you know, and and just kind of sharing with folks. And so I really learned a lot and, and actually came away with some some relationships with some people who I'd never known before, but who I've, you know, you know, now have become fairly close to. Awesome. See, there's always a silver lining. There is. And it's never too. I mean, it seems like based on your responses, because I was going to ask what's next. You are even though 18 years in, you don't seem to want to stop. Can't stop, won't stop. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah, me, puppy, and mace. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, like this, there, there's just so much need in our community, right? Again, we're still in the middle midst of a, of a global pandemic. Mm-hmm. There are literally hundreds of thousands of people in the state of New York who have lost their jobs. There's still, you know, millions of people without proper access to the internet. There are people mm-hmm. with utility arrears. You know, who, you know, people who have not been able to pay their rent in over a year, right? There's lots of problems that need to be solved. And I think that my background and my experience is needed now more than ever. Um, I thought I would have done a great job, um, you know, as the city controller, bringing that experience and that understanding to that position. But certainly the Senate, I think, um, you know, could benefit from it. And we'll see in a couple of months when I run for re-election, uh, whether the, the people <laughs> in my community agree with my, my analysis. <laughs> Of course, the, if, of course, it can benefit. You're being humble, but I like if, it. If not, if not, you'll have a co-host. Oh, hey. <laughs> okay, I'm happy to have this on the record. I'm going to be like, okay. I mean, I hope it all works out, of course, but like that, you may have another plan for you. Yeah, yeah. I might be sitting on the couch just, you know, <laughs> waiting wait, wait to give you a punchline. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Senator, so you kind of touched upon this, but now I'm going to like segue into more of your personal life and you obviously can share what you want to share. So you're obviously in the public eye and whether it's politics or sports or entertainment, people always talk about you. My grandfather would say if they talked about Jesus, they'll talk about anybody. (laughs) So you have to develop a thick skin and it's just it's a mental mindset. I've always thought to be in positions um, of power, especially in politics. So what what's your mindset and how has that changed over the years um, to deal with, you know, the chatter that people say, and you can't respond to everything because it's a double-edged sword. They'll talk crazy about you either way. So right. how do you go about that? Yeah, really, I've, I've developed a, a much thicker skin than I had, I think, early on. I mean, I think everybody's surprised when they first get into public life and you're right, whether it's sports and entertainment or whether it's politics. Mm-hmm. Uh, just kind of and and now also with the with the internet and social media and people's just immediate access to you even on a kind of global scale right. is different than it's ever been before right and so i've developed a very thick skin there's a lot of things that i just don't pay attention to like i really don't read the news i don't read a lot of press about myself mm-hmm. um i'm on twitter but i don't really like pay attention <laughs> to the tweets like that okay. anymore um you know cuz you know I'm from Brooklyn. My mouth was reckless. So like, you know, if, and if, people, as if and we couldn't hear from the accent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and people, you know, and people, you know, they, they Twitter tough guys, right? Like, yeah. You know, and, 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 and so I'm, I'm from Brooklyn, so I'm here for the smoke, but they really, they really don't want it. So they want to throw a rock and hide their hand. And I'm just like, or they want to be, you know, they want to complain after that. I'm like, keep the same energy you had when you was talking trash. So I, I recognize that that doesn't really work out the way I want it to work out. And so I just try to stay focused on, um, you know, the activities of my office and, and, mm-hmm. the, and the messages that I'm trying to get out. 
And so I really, um, I, I don't probably use social media as much as I should as a two-way vehicle. I primarily right. use it as a one-way vehicle out to the world mm-hmm. um, and try to just, you know, reduce the, the chatter um, that I'm paying attention to. But most of the time, you know, as Megan Stallion says, you know, they said it behind my back. They knew not to say it to my face. Okay. So that's what they we don't got. want the smoke. They're, they don't want right. the smoke. They don't There's want the a smoke. whole bunch of keyboard thugs who, <laughs> they, they are. I mean, clearly what you get is far more substantial than anything that I would get. But still, I, I know 90% of what people say when it's derogatory or negative, they would never have the guts to say that's in your right. face. So I, I love social media. It can be a great platform for brand building and to get the information out, for example, about what all the great work you're doing. But on the flip side, people feel like they have a license to just be flippant at the mouth as if you're not human. And if you say right. something back, I'm the victim. Right. That's right. Now you crazy. Right. You, you the angry black man. That, that, that's right. That's right. But anyway, I'm preaching to the choir. But yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. And the fact that he mentioned Megan Thee Stallion and he don't want that. <laughs> this, this should be enough for y'all to stop. <laughs> okay. I love Megan, by the way. I don't know. Her, but I feel like we're friends. <laughs> okay. Senator, we're yeah. going to jump into this round I call the fire round. Okay. So I'm going to ask you a question and you spit out the first thing that comes. Uh oh. Okay. Okay. What was the last thing that you ordered on Amazon? Oh, wow. A charge case for my phone. Okay. He uses it a lot. One or two phones? One phone. Okay. I thought, who's the person that says, I got two phones, one for the... (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. What was the last thing you ordered from either Uber Eats or DoorDash or whatever delivery? Uh, service I don't really use those delivery services. One, they're too really expensive. Um, but probably the last thing I ordered to mm-hmm. deliver was probably pizza. And it probably came from the local person. I probably just called the, the, the pizza shop and just got it. Oh, so authentic still. Yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. I can't, I can't, I, I just, I can't get with the $35 delivery charge. It's crazy. You'll order something that, yeah, yeah I don't know. $16, $16 is $45 because you're paying these people $30. It's, it's a great business model. I'm mad I didn't think of it. Hey, it's never too late. I mean, it's not too saturated, but you're, yeah, I'm definitely one of those people. I get got sometimes. I mean, I'll, it's just me. So if I was cooking for a family, fine, but. But see, also part of the difference also in New York, which which I don't understand, Uh is that because we have such great, so much greater concentration, then unless somebody's sick or something, like, I don't know why you just can't. Like I'm a thank God is good. I'm an able-bodied man, so I can just get up in my you know get in my car and drive down the block and get whatever I need for the most part. Uh-huh. So I'm not doing that much delivery. That's um, true, you know. And so, but in other places like like Florida, where where the density is not quite, although Miami is fairly dense. Don't get me wrong. Right, but, right. But it's you know it's, it can be a little bit further of a drive. So I understand you know people wanting delivery, but the, those fees are just too much for me. I'm, That's I'm a, a good public, point. You're I'm right. A, I'm a public, public servant. Oh my! See, being humble doesn't mean that you can't treat yourself sometimes. Well, I'm using humble as a as a um, a pseudonym for um, broke. So that's so why I didn't want to like. I want to fix income. <laughs> oh my gosh! I'm not. I'm not even going to comment on that. I'm no, but let say- me let me say this: the state legislature as, actually has been looking at these fees and finding ways um, to make them more reasonable, at least in the Ooh. state of New York, um, because we do, do do think that it's a little bit out of hand. A little. Hopefully that can trickle down to Tallahassee and Florida because good luck. Good luck with your with your governor. But 
Lord. But like, but I, this is the thing though too. Like I'm an entrepreneur. So you're right. If we came up with this idea, we wouldn't be mad. Right. But right. I, that's interesting that you all are looking at that. So yeah. I'm gonna follow up on that for part yes, two. I'm already inviting you back. Okay, great. Thank you. Okay. What would you tell yourself 20 years ago? So what would my, my, my self now told my 20 year old self well, my, or myself 20, 20 years, years prior ago. to now? Yeah, maybe you, yeah, maybe you're 40. So 20 years ago, you were 20. Yeah. So I'm actually 54. So I would have been 34 then. That would have been <laughs> around the time that I just got elected. Mm-hmm. And I would um, tell myself that I was enough. Hmm. that um, that I wasn't, you know, a fraud and that I should be there, that I should be somebody who was in the Senate and representing my community and, and I shouldn't be kind of afraid of what people said. Um, I think a lot of people, especially young professionals, a lot of us mm-hmm. wind up in spaces and places in which um, we sometimes never expected or even people around us never expected, right? And so, um, and I tell the story often that my loving parents who are now deceased, when I first told them I was running for office, um, they literally laughed at me, even though I had been working in politics. And it wasn't something mean. They were also my biggest supporters. They've given me, you know, tons of dollars and volunteered people in the community know my mother was like my biggest campaigner. But when I first told them I was running for office, they just had no context for this. My father was an orphan, born in 1932 in Harlem Hospital. My mother came from a very large family in Virginia who um, left who fled my abusive grandfather and came to New York. And, you know, we lived, I grew up in the projects. They were like, you know, poor, mm-hmm. um, you know, I had older siblings who were, you know, um, heroin addicts. Like it was, you know, there was just no context in my family for somebody to say they're going to run for office and represent the community. Mm-hmm. And so I think that even though I had gone to Penn State and I went to the new school of social research and had these degrees and had, you know, worked in the state assembly and worked in the city council, worked for the first governor, worked in the state controller's office, worked for Hillary Clinton when she ran, that that somewhere in the back of my mind, I thought that I wasn't worthy, that I thought that I wasn't enough to represent that community. And I think that that is the story of many young professionals who wind up in law firms or doctor's offices or, you know, television studios or big fashion houses Mm -hmm. and are looking around like, how did I wind up here? Right. right. Because there's nothing in the society that uplifts us and tells us that we can do these things. And I think that that not having that confidence led me into making mistakes mm. um, that I didn't have to make. And, and those unforced errors, um, you know, I think have held me back in, in some ways, even though, again, I'm grateful for my life and the things that I've been able to do. Right. Um, but, you know, we all have, uh, you know, we're all our kind of worst critics and, and you, we always look at more that we could have been doing or should have been doing. And so um, that's what I would have told myself. And um, certainly the a message I would tell other young professionals out there that you're enough mm-hmm. uh, and that you're qualified and that, you know, you are the person who's chosen to be here at this place in this time. Thank you for that transparency, because you're absolutely correct. It's the imposter syndrome. And I, mm-hmm. I feel like regardless of, of backgrounds, people who tend to be overachievers actually experience this ironically more than not. So you can be the most qualified person, overqualified in the room, but you're still questioning, wait a minute, is this really where I'm supposed to be when you should run, you, you run in things. Right. But I, 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 I love it. And you still push through. Clearly, your, your family and your mom was super, super supportive after they realized, hey, my son, he wants to do this. I'm not sure how it's going to turn out, but I'm supporting him regardless. And Absolutely. I'm sure she's looking down, super proud of you. Absolutely. 
Okay. What is, and you may have answered this already, so we can skip through quick. I was going to ask, what's the most difficult hurdle you've had to overcome professionally? I think the most difficult hurdle I've had to overcome professionally is um, a series of, of arrests that I, um, that I experienced both in 2005 and in 2009 um, that really hampered um, my career. And, and I think that some of the things I was talking about in the, in the, in the past kind of led me to, to the mistakes I made. Mm -hmm. And I didn't think in either case, um, you know, I should have been arrested that, you know, I was ultimately um, exonerated both times in court. Mm -hmm. um, but the circumstances and how I handled the circumstances that, 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 led them, that led them to be escalated in the way they were, mm. um, were, were things that, um, that it took a long time. Mm -hmm. um, and there were people who, you know, who were prognosticating um, my political demise at those times. And, mm. and, um, and it took a lot of self-reflection, a lot of um, growth on my part, um, a lot of, um, you know, healing and, and things that I had to do internally um, to come out of those, out of those moments um, mm -hmm. and understand where they came from, but then also to, to um, kind of turn my career around and continue to be in a place where the people in my community trusted me to represent them in, in the state capitol and to um, do the things that that they had charged me to do. Um, and now here you are. Yeah. And it's and it's been you know there's people who deal with those things all at a time. You know, so you know whether you talk about Bill Clinton, there's a whole movie now on about impeachment, talking about you know things that Bill Clinton went through. Yeah. Right. Um, our own recent governor, um, you know, that had to resign, you know, there's, there's things that, that, that people are, are dealing with. And so, um, you know, politicians aren't perfect people. I'm certainly not one. Um, but, you know, we, you know, we're all doing our best and trying to grow and, and simultaneously trying to give our energy to help other people, um, you know, uh, live better lives. Right. And I, again, appreciate the candor and you being upfront. A lot of people either try to hide from their past, which how can you do that in the public eye anyway with the Internet, like we talked about. Right. And two, as long as for me, you're learning from something because no That's one right. is perfect. Unfortunately, people in the public eye are put on a pedestal and people hold them to a different standard than they would hold themselves. I th who's our third co-host? <laughs> I feel like they want to be involved. Maybe we should involve them. My, my son is here and um, he Aww. never has anything. He never wants to be around me until he sees me on a Zoom call. And then and then now he has, finds every every noisy toy to play with. See, but it's fine. this is the thing. He wants your attention, but like on his terms. Oh, right. No, he wants his, he wants my attention when when oh. when <laughs> I don't have time to give it to him. Wait, how old? Because is he what, five? How old is he? Three. I can't. Three. Oh, my niece is four. I love her. She's amazing. But the same thing. If you don't pay it all of a sudden, if I get on a call and I'm with her, she wants to be all right. Right. And right. now you want to have every conversation. Right. It is what it is. And then when you hang up, he'll be back about his business. Right. 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 I won't be able to find him. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, the life of a toddler. Yeah. Three. Three, you said, right? Yes. Three. Oh, my God. That's a lot of work. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. go back. Sorry. I mean... A great work, though. Yes. <laughs> um, wait. So, right. I was talking about just learning from the mistakes, uh, 
making different or better decisions in the future and realizing that nobody is perfect. To me, the world is super judgy. I mean, I would be lying if I didn't think that I was a judgmental person too, but yet I happen to get sensitive if someone wants to call me out on something. So it's a little hypocritical, but um, no one is perfect. Lord knows politicians are not perfect. No shade to you guys. But since everyone is all in your business all the time, you can't go about life the same way that the average layperson. No, absolutely. Um, I mean, one, you have a bunch of enemies who are trying to play, prey on your vulnerabilities, right? And, mm -hmm. and, and so it's one thing to be a, just a regular person when you're kind of walking through life and you may make mistakes. Um, in politics, you're in a pool of sharks. And so there are people who are looking, who are, who are literally consciously looking for your vulnerabilities and trying to exploit them in order to take you down, mm -hmm. right? Um, because again, this is about power. This is about money. Um, you know, again, I, you know, I talk about, you know, the, the state of New York having this, the third largest budget in the entire country. We have a budget that's 200, you know, part of $200 billion, right? So I'm helping make decisions about that. There was other people who would love to make a different set of, you know, decisions. Mm -hmm. So I stand in the way of them having that opportunity. So they're always looking for something, you know, something to talk about. <laughs> wait, is it, oh my God, that's like, have you seen the young lady, right? That's because I was like, wait a minute, this is a serious conversation, but I have to talk about my city girls from Miami. Something <laughs> to talk about. Absolutely. Right. So they always, right, they're always looking for something, right? So um, it, it's, you know, so you're, you're dealing with that constantly. And so you have to, one, and you're, when yourself have a lot of, you know, a lot of integrity, that is a, Mm -hmm. a consistency between, you know, your public persona and your personal right. behavior, right? Um, and then you have to be willing um, to be humble and to, to grow from mistakes that people inevitably are going to make. Right. And so um, you just hope that they're not so big um, that politically and personally, you, you know, you can survive from them. Mm -hmm. um, um, but, you know, that's, that's really all you can do. Uh, but exactly. It, yeah. And not, I mean, it just seems like, and I, I know this is not funny, but every day <laughs> with life, nothing seems to surprise me anymore. So year by year, things get more outlandish. So it's kind of right. like you, you got to be really off there for you not to be able to like rebound, Absolutely. which to me makes things more uh humane may be the wrong term. What am I trying to say? Just personalized things that happen yeah. in regular people's lives happen and uh politics too so Brittany, we fall so we learn to get up we right? fall down i can't think but you know <laughs> so now you're donnie mcclurkin now right <laughs> exactly and, and like you i judge success not by how far you can bounce after you fall because when everyone is up there people are around you they answering your right. phone calls they want to be everywhere but then when something happens it's kind of like you really see who's in your corner but i respect people who are able to pivot dust themselves off try to ignore all the noise and succeed so that's why i'm always rooting for people like show like to me that's the best revenge right success exactly okay how much of your success, Senator Parker, would you attribute to hard work and how much to God's grace and luck? Wow. It's, it's, wow, that's a, that's a good, really good question. Um, let's call it 50-50, because I really believe that, that although God gives us grace, he also gives us free will. Mm -hmm. 
And there's certain things that even when you read the Bible, you see challenges that um, people have, have to go through and, and have to get past, right? Um, whether it's Samson, right, and his okay. trials with Delilah, whether it's Jonah and him overcoming, um, you know, his fear of answering the call of God, mm-hmm. right? Um, that you'll you'll see that that um, kind of time and time again, you have um, these heroes and heroines uh, in that context. Um, and I'm just using a context that I think people are, are familiar with, and you, you'll see it in the Quran, you'll see it in other right. other, other stories as well. Uh, and so, I, I but but this idea of free will, and this idea that that essentially you're not fated to anything, that it's not going to just happen, that God sets you up and then says, "Let's see how you, my son, you, my daughter, let me see how you perform in this in this moment." And so, I, I think that 50% of it is hard work. Um, I tell people all the time that I don't think there's anything special about me um, other than I was lucky enough to come from parents who taught me certain things and instilled in me the importance of hard work and gave me an opportunity to be successful um, with their hard work. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, but, you know, I think a lot of the things that I know how to do, um, I'm trained to do. Right. So like a lot of times people are like, oh, you're a natural born speaker. And so they but they weren't there when I was, you know, my mother took me. So even though you say you can hear my Brooklyn accent, I do know how to speak to Queens English and I can. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing wrong with the Brooklyn accent. They, they weren't with you shooting in the gym. Yeah, it wasn't. Right. And so like <laughs> they weren't there when I had to go, like, for instance, to, to speech classes. Right. And um, and learn how to get a non-regional accent and learn to enunciate and pronunciate so I can be heard and understood. Right. Or when I took, um, you know, Toastmasters, so I can learn how to give different kinds of speeches, right? Um, When I've gone to trainings, whether it was at Harvard or MIT and, you know, things I've done even locally here with the City University of New York um, to learn how to serve my community better. Um, And whether it's, you know, policy and and studying those, you know, studying the issues Mm -hmm. or just understanding, you know, groups like Emily's List, which train me how to raise money, even though they do most of their work with women. Um, I was lucky enough early on to, to have um, some training with them about those things. And so most of the skills that I have, I've acquired um, in very conscious fashion, not just simply, oh, just doing the work and whatever. Like I went out and said, OK, I need to figure out how to learn, raise money so I can be better at my job. And so I go and I learn that, you know, I go to public policy school so I can actually understand the public policy choices mm-hmm. and the process in which I'm engaged in so I can um you know, come forward with the best ideas um, mm-hmm. for my community, uh, as well as some, again, some of the soft skills, like, you know, learning how to speak, learning how to listen, right? Even that, right? Like I tell people that the, the biggest part about learning how to deal with people's problems is really learning how to listen mm-hmm. and how to make people feel like you're listening when you, when you are listening. Right? <laughs> sometimes you could be listening to people and people don't feel like you're listening, right? right. And like, how do you, you know, sit forward, you know, sit up, lean forward, make eye contact with people, how to act and listen with people. Like mm-hmm. I've, I've I've been trained to actually do some of those things so that, you know, when you're engaging with people, um, they have a real sense that, that you're, that you're, um, that you're there with them. Right? right. And so, you know, I talked about Bill Clinton in a negative context in a positive context, he was the master at that, right? Like he's the master at making you feel like it was you and him. Mm-hmm. You know, you could be in a room with him with 3000 people and he made you feel like in that moment that the person he was talking to engaged in was you. Right. Um, and so those are skills, though, sometimes they're innate, but oftentimes, and I know for myself, they've been things that I've been trained in. And so, um, you know, I think that 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 idea of hard work 
and training um, for me has been a really, really critical point, component to my um, ability to be successful in my job. And for the record, though, Senator, we love your Brooklyn accent. Oh, thank you. It doesn't have to be the Queen's English, but yeah. Nah, man. I, I, heard, I, I heard you switch. I, from, I, <laughs> I love accents from different regions. Like, I, I think that's what makes people unique. And you're right. I mean, I, I, it's a, if you said it's a 50-50 in terms of grace. God does give us the ability. And like you said, you were blessed enough to have a strong foundation and the sense and hard work to want to perfect and hone in on your skills. But I definitely do strongly believe if you don't have some of it in your DNA, you can take all the courses that you want. It's just not going to, like, you guys all are pretty smooth, whether it's Clinton or Parker. Yeah, you see, I'm putting myself on the same level as, like, the president. I hear it, but we're going to keep keep riding on that same level, where (laughs) they definitely, I think, some of the smoothest and, and best politicians, not saying that it's not sincere, are able to make you feel like at that moment, whether it's three seconds or three minutes, you're the most important person in the room. And not a lot of people have been able to master that. And I think that- no, But it is sincere because you've decided enough to actually engage somebody in a way to make them feel a certain way. So it's very personal. It's, it, it, it's the That's most true. Thing, right? Because you can easily just not do it, right? Because anybody who makes you feel that way really is doing it consciously. They're not just happen to be doing it. They're doing it. And, and be- and then if you do it often enough, it just becomes part of your habit. And so it becomes Very true. Who you are. I agree. I do agree with that. I just think sometimes it's always the critics who can't do it, who may say, oh, this is phony. And I feel like it's because you just don't have that. Uh, what's that new song? The Shway? The Shway? <laughs> right. <laughs> I knew you would knew. I knew you would knew. You would know. Both of us need some melatonin so we can go to sleep at night. I, that's Honestly, I hardly slept yesterday. I was on the gram, on the shade room. But anyway, this was absolutely amazing, Senator Parker. It was awesome. One, to see you. When I'm in New York, I'm going to have to reach out and back up and catch up. I would love to catch up. Yes, catch up. New York, I was there. Not Labor Labor Day. Memorial Day. But I think you were, weren't you still like doing the campaign or no? Yep, I was, yeah, I was was hot and heavy in the campaign. The election was on June 22nd, so yeah. Oh, okay. Now you're not free, but you... Well, well, not well. Now I'm just back to my my full time job. Then I had two full time jobs, which was, okay. I, was still, I was still a member of the Senate, and then I was running citywide. Uh, now um, back, you know, to the Senate, preparing to go into legislative session in January, um, okay. but still dealing with dealing with the people's work every single day. Awesome. And how can people find you online when they want to follow your wonderful work that you're doing? No, absolutely. Um, I'm on pretty much most uh, social media platforms. You can certainly find me on Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, Twitter. And, and LinkedIn at Senator Kevin Parker, right? So either Senator Parker or Senator Kevin Parker. And so you can find me there if you hit me up. Most of the time, I'll, I'll respond. Wait, is it you that responds? or is it, most, of the time, most of the time, it's me. It's me and my, and my press secretary, but most of the time, it's me. Oh, right. see, that's, that's a sign for people. Two, two things that you should learn from this podcast, y'all. Don't come sideways because you may get the smoke and two don't don't say nothing don't say nothing crazy in the dms because it may not be (laughs) it may not even be (laughs) right exactly anyway thank you so much senator this was awesome i still am putting out my tossing my follow-up once people give me some feedback they're gonna love this and i hope you enjoy the rest of your week 
No, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. And, you know, for everybody listening, I want them to remember that they were the people who were here the day before yesterday. And they're going to be the people who are going to be here the day after tomorrow. So all of us should continue to bring good into the world and let no good be lost. Thank you guys so much for checking out today's episode of Brit Happens. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, or Google. You can also find me online at www.brithappens.com and on social media, Instagram or Facebook at Brittany Sharpton. See you next time.